welcome to the sermon podcast for Ashburn Baptist Church, Chicago. We pray the message you are about to hear is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. Excited to start this series with you today called Breakout that John began last week and did such a great job. John, I actually kind of feel because of the ice that I might have a chance in the Olympics. Anybody else feel like that? Where like you might feel like an ice rink like competitor? Because I was out there a few times and I caught myself and I'm like, I'm a little athletic still. Maybe I still got it. And then I took a few more steps and absolutely bit it. So I mean, there's sometimes that you just have it. Sometimes that you don't. Tom, we're really glad that you're back with us this week. We missed you. Glad you're healthy. Really glad to see your face. Be in prayer for Patrick. Patrick's out. He's been in the hospital this past weekend. Continue to pray for Patrick and that God would heal him and bring him back with us soon. It's a new year, 2022. Can you believe it? I feel like 2021 might have been the fastest year yet. Does anybody else feel like that? Like you blinked and it was gone. It was over. And as we enter into 2022, all of us are carrying something. Each of us are carrying our own weight. We have our victories and we have our defeats. We've all faced triumph and we've all faced trial. And he has, the devil has relentlessly tried to attack us throughout maybe this year. Maybe you can recall some moments where the devil attacked you and you're thinking in your life. And he's really good at disrupting God's people. He's been practicing it for generations. He's really good at disrupting life. And in fact, he's so good at it that he's mastered a few techniques in ruining our lives. Some techniques that maybe he tried on you, and I know he tried on me in 2021, and he's going to try to use again on me and on you in 2022. One of the techniques that he's been using since the beginning of time to ruin our lives is a technique called regret. Everybody look to the person next to you and say, regret. Regret. Because if Satan can get us to regretfully live in the past, then he can successfully ruin our future. If the devil can get us to regretfully live in the past, then he can successfully get us to ruin our future. I mean, this is something he's been practicing for thousands of years. He's so good at it at times that he makes our own lives feel like a prison that we cannot escape. So how do we find victory? How do we break away from regret? Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Breakout, and we're going to discover how we can get away from the things that are holding us back. I want you to know this morning that there is great power in breaking away. There is great power in the breakout, and that's something that I learned as a kid, a fifth grader actually. I grew up playing competitive basketball. From the time that I was 10 years old, since the age of five, I had a basketball in my hand, but I was traveling on a team around the age of 10 when we moved from Lynchburg, Virginia, where we just visited, to Rockford, Illinois, where I grew up. There was a traveling elementary basketball team, and every 10-year-old struggles with fundamentals. And we were no different than every other 10-year-old. We struggled with fundamentals. We struggled to run an offense. Then we'd run back to the other side, and we'd have holes in our defense, and back and forward, back and forward. It was a struggle to watch. Shout out my mom and dad, who watched every single game. Some of you parents can kind of agree with that, because you have to watch basketball like five-year-olds, and this is like horrible. Stay with it. Stick in there. But as a 10-year-old kid, we began to notice that there was a secret to the game. A part of the game that a lot of other fifth graders didn't really understand, it was called the breakaway. 
Breakaways begin off of Miss Baskets. And as 10-year-olds, there were a lot of Miss Baskets. If somebody missed, you grabbed the rebound. You'd outlet pass to the point guard around the three-point line who could either dribble or not up the court and then find a streaking player on the other side. And me and my friend Ryan, we figured out the power of the breakaway. Man, every single game we were running over opponents because we knew how to break out, how to get away from the opposition, to get away from the thing that was holding us back. In the Old Testament, we find this character who is almost devoted the entire book to keys to breaking out. It's actually the oldest written section of scripture in the Bible. It's called Job. Kanye called it a job. This book is filled with Satan's techniques to ruin our lives. And yet here we find Job, a faithful man, breaking out of the devil's tactics, breaking out of the devil's setbacks, because he understood that a setback was a setup for God to be God. A setback was a setup for God to be God. And Job had some setbacks. This book actually begins with the devil going to God. And in their conversation, the devil brings up this faithful servant named Job. Job was a successful man. Here's actually how the Bible describes him in the first three verses of the book. It says, there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, somebody who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters, ten kids. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all of the people of the East. This man had it all. And to top it all off, he was righteous. He was good. He did what was right in the sight of God. And the devil accuses Job of only being righteous, only being a good person, because he had a lot of stuff. The devil goes to God, and he says, if you allow me to take away his stuff, he won't be so blameless in your eyes anymore. He'll begin to do what's wrong. Job 1 actually shows us in verse 9 that conversation. Satan answers God and says, Did Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land. You stretch out your hand and you touch what he has and, and, and he'll curse you to your face. So God kind of puts Satan to the test. He allows Satan to begin to destroy the life of Job. And man, he attacks Job's life. In the next few verses, his life completely gets flipped upside down. As four messengers come to Job with ridiculous news. The first messenger comes to Job and he says, Your donkeys, your oxen, they were in the field with your servants. And the enemies, the Sabians, they came and attacked and killed all of your animals and, and killed all of your servants except for me. I'm the only one escaped and I came here to tell you. And as he's finishing that story... Another messenger rushes in. Says, Job, fire just fell from the sky, burnt up all of your sheep, all of your servants, except for me. I survived, and I'm coming to tell you what happened. While he's speaking, a third messenger comes and says, The Chaldeans, they came and they destroyed all of your camels and killed all of your servants. I'm the only one who escaped, and I came to tell you. While he was speaking, a fourth comes. Says all of your kids were having dinner in the oldest sibling's house. And a great wind came and knocked over the house and everybody inside had died. I alone escaped to tell you. 
And talk about your life being turned upside down. But Satan wasn't even finished. He goes back to God and he says, God, can I attack Job's health? God allows it to happen. Here's the exchange in verse 4. Satan answers the Lord and says, skin for skin, all that man has will give for his life, but stretch out your hand, touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse you to your face. The Lord says to Satan, behold, he's in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan goes out and he covers Job's body head to toe in sores. His health had been taken from him. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. Now he's lost his health, and the devil still wasn't finished. Now next, he attacks Job's relationships. I want you to see what I mean in verse 9. Then Job's wife says to him, after all of this has happened, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Job lost his family, his wealth, his relationship with his wife, his health. He goes from seemingly having everything to seemingly having nothing in two short chapters. Man, he was experiencing setback. And this led him to a place that I think all of us are familiar with. A place called regret. He had regret. I want you to see it. Job's three friends, they come and visit him. We'll talk in depth about them later this month. And when they see Job from afar, they don't even really recognize who he is. This doesn't look like the Job that they had known for many years. As they approach him, they, they see sadness in his eyes. Nobody says a word, and this might be the only thing that these three friends got right. Choosing to remain silent. For the next seven days, those friends and Job sat in silence. Until finally Job speaks and breaks his silence. And by doing so, he reveals his regret. Job 3 verse 1 says this. After this, Job opened up his mouth. And he cursed the day of his birth. Job said, let the day perish on which I was born. And for the next 23 verses, he unloads on how he just wishes he was never born. On how he wishes he was never even here. He was experiencing deep regret. And maybe on a smaller scale, some of us probably know how Job feels. Because we've experienced pain. We've experienced loss. We've faced defeat and trial and difficulty. We've thought about how we could have avoided heartbreak. We've considered how we could have used our time better. Oh, we have regrets. Things we wish we hadn't done. Things we wish we hadn't said. Situations we wish turned out a little bit different. And maybe we don't wish that the day we were born was gone, but we too have our regrets. And those regrets can be haunting. Devastating even. As I look back on the previous 365 days of 2021, in my own life, I see regret. Things I wish I'd done differently. Ways I wish I would have responded better. Relationships I would have worked harder at. Conversations I wish I would have had. Conversations I wish I wouldn't have had. I have regret. And I want you to know something today. Regret is common. 
It is common for you and I to have regret. Everybody in this room has had and will have regret. And if somebody says they don't, they're probably lying through their teeth because we all have regret because all of us have failures. We all mess up. We are not perfect. We all have failed. A few years ago as a youth pastor, me and a student went to Chick-fil-A and it was amazing. And then on our way back, there was this girl who was broken down on the side of the road and it was a tire that had popped and she was trying to, to, to change her tire and put on the spare. And I was like, you know what? This is like the only thing when it comes to cars, Tom, that I know how to fix. So I said to the teenager sitting in the car, hey, will you help me help her? This is a great chance to show him how to be a good person, have a good testimony. We get out of the car, we pop it up, and we begin to take the tire off, and there was one final nut on that thing that I just could not get to budge. So I started torquing it a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then snap, the thing broke right off. And I had made the situation that was bad considerably worse. And in that moment, I had regret. Regret that I wouldn't have torqued it so hard. Regret that I would have just let somebody else who knew what they were doing stop and help. Regretted that I even stopped in the first place. I made it so much worse. I have a lot of moments in my life that I regret. Like, I regret not paying more attention in school. I regret that. I wish I paid more attention. I regret not talking to my grandpas more before they died. I regret that. I regret playing basketball the day I broke my hand because it hurt. I regret that. Now, none of those things that I just mentioned are sins. They're just failures. And all of us have failure because none of us are perfect. But not only do we have failure, we also have sin. And because all of us have sin, all of us have regret. The Bible says, for all have sinned. It says that there's none righteous, not even one. And even as an unsaved kid, I experience regret after I sin. Like if I stole something, I regretted that I did it afterwards. My conscience was hurt. Or like when I lied, I regretted when I lied. Even though I wasn't saved, I regretted when I sinned. And as a saved adult, I still regret sins. Sins that disrupt my walk with God, sins that disappoint him, sins that cause other people to stumble. And I want you to know this morning that it is not a sin to regret. However, regret can lead us to more sin. And that can be very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Regret can be dangerous. We actually see this played out in this story. Because Job isn't the only one who's going to be dealing with regret in this passage no, I actually see four other individuals struggling with regret, but they respond in two different ways. The first dangerous regret that we see displayed is anger. Angry regret. We see this in Job's wife. Do you remember her response? Here it was. Then his wife says to Job, don't you hold fast to your integrity? Job, curse God and die. You can hear and feel the anger in her voice as you read those words. She was living with her own regret. They actually say that hurting people hurt people. Job's wife was hurt. She just lost her 10 kids. All of her wealth, her life gone. She was regretting her own decisions. What if she had been there in the house? Could she have helped someone? 
What if she would have invited them over to her house instead? What if Job would have been there? What if Job would have made sure they weren't all together? She was dealing with her own demons and she allows her regret to turn into a bitter anger against her husband. Some of you know that feeling because that's your struggle. I know that feeling because that's my struggle too. I struggle with bitter anger. As I look back over my life, I can recognize some areas where I became angry at my life and as a result, bitter at those around me. Like as I watch my friends from high school begin to deconstruct their faith, walk away from God entirely, I regretted not being a better witness to them. As a result, I became angry at my youth pastor for not doing a better job since it was his job. Angry at a guy named Sam for messing up. Angry at a previous pastor for sowing division. Angry at Paul for making my parents move to another state, their mid-50s. Angry regret. And when we allow anger to enter into our lives, it will destroy us. Whenever we're dealing with regret in our own life, if we allow it to turn to anger, it will destroy us from the inside out. The second type of regret that we see here in this passage is fearful regret. We see that in the lives of Job's three friends. These guys come to see what happened to Job, and they're so afraid that the same thing that happened to Job might happen to them, that they sit there in their silence, and then when they finally do break their silence, they're saying whatever they can say to try to stay in good graces with God. And Job actually gives us a little bit of insight into that. He says this in Job 6.21. He says, for you have now become nothing. Do you see my calamity, my struggles, my problems? You've become afraid, afraid for your own life, afraid that you might mess up, afraid that you might say something wrong, afraid that God might allow this to happen to you. Fearful regret is equally as dangerous as angry regret. Because the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's not a spirit that comes from God. And some people live their lives so afraid that they might mess up again. They never actually do anything for God. So afraid that they don't know what to say that they never speak up. So afraid of how the conversation might go that they never reach out to their kids again. So afraid of what could happen that they don't do anything. And that's why regret is so dangerous because it's anger either destroys us from within or it's fear distracts us long enough that we don't do anything with our lives. That's why it's so important that if you're dealing with regret like I have, that you break out from its snare because otherwise it will destroy you. How do we do that? Well, by God's grace, God gave Job the strength to endure it. And Job's testimony shows us how we can break out. He experienced breakout. He broke away from the devil's snare. And we see his breakout beginning the moment that his setback did. Let that sink in. His his breakout began the moment that his setback did because setbacks are just setups for God to be God. They're just set up for God to be God because right after Job loses everything, 
he receives word from his four messengers and then here's what happens. Job arises, tears off his robe, shaves his head, falls down on the ground and worshiped. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You understand what just happened? After Job lost everything, he realized he still had God. He strips his clothes, he shaves his head, he falls down and he worships. And to break out from our trouble, from our regret, we must have faith. Job says, I don't know why you're allowing this to happen to me. Man, I don't know why you've allowed me to lose my kids. I don't know how you've allowed me to lose my wealth or taken my health from me. But I know that you're God. And I know that you're sovereign. Blessed be your name. He has faith in God that even though his life doesn't look good, God is still good. And he worships. You know, worship is a setup for faith. Faith is a setup for breakout. So today, if you're dealing with trial and tribulation, you're dealing with regret, regret of something you wish you'd done differently, something that you wish you'd said differently, Worship God. He's sovereign. He's righteous. He's just. Worship sets us up for faith, and faith sets us up for breakout. So the next time you fall into trial, the next time you face disappointment, the next time you go toe-to-toe with regret, remember that God is still God. God is still good, and life doesn't have to be good for God to be good. Have faith. Don't quit, don't get angry, don't be fearful, have faith. God has it completely under control. Setbacks are just setups for God to be God. Setbacks are just setups for God to be God. Setbacks are just setups for God to be God. In 1873, a man named Horatio Spafford decided that his family should go back to England. He knew that his friend, maybe you've heard his name, D.L. Moody, was going to be there, and he wanted them to hear the preaching in the fall. (coughs) Horatio Spafford was delayed because of business, so he sent his wife and his four daughters on their own ahead, and he would catch up with them. 11-year-old Anna, 9-year-old Margaret, 5-year-old Elizabeth, 2-year-old Tanetta, they all began that journey. On November 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic, their their ship struck another. Both ships sank within 12 minutes. Over 220 people lost their lives that day, including all four of Horatio Spafford's daughters. Miraculously and by God's grace, his wife survived. Once they arrived in Wales where they ported, She sent a telegram back home with words that said, saved alone. Once Horatio received Anna's message, he went home right away. He began to return to where his wife was. 
as they started that long journey across the Atlantic, one day they came to the very place where Horatio's daughters perished. He was called up to port and the captain said right over there, that's where it happened. Spafford returned to his cabin, began writing these words. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well. Even in the moment of maybe the most regret, the most pain, the most heartache that he'd ever experienced, he chose to worship. His worship led to faith. His faith led to breakout because his setback was just a setup for God to be God. I want the same to be said of me. And I pray that the same is said of you. Don't be held back by the devil's tactics. Don't let regret destroy you from within or hold you back break away and you break away by worship thank you so much for joining us if you have any prayer requests or questions about your spiritual life we would love to pray for you or if you would just like more information about visiting us in person please email us at chicago at ashburnbaptist.com or visit our website ashburnbaptist.com slash Chicago.